How's it, everybody? Man, were you guys having um, as good of a time as we were having in worship this morning? Hey, what the heck? I was just standing uh, there. Okay, you don't always disappear there because I've got such an inconvenient setup there. But I was walking back out and I thought to myself, you know, in my heart, I was like, Lord, I am so thankful to be part of a, a team up here who can sense the moving of the Spirit. You know, it's like, you, and you listen carefully. I know you guys, you know, some of you are like, but it all sounds the same to you. But I know if you listen with your heart, you know, you can feel in this moment, okay, we're taking a different step now. And then we're going and then all of a sudden you can feel, okay, in this moment we're taking a different step. You know, that is something so much more special than just music. You know, there are billions of people in the world right now who can play music, who can write music, you know, all that sort of stuff. But, man, to take music and, and move in the rhythm of the spirit, oh, my gosh, guys. I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's a very rare thing. So please give them one more round of applause. It's a, it's a case of becoming spiritually intellect, intellectual, sorry. And the thing is, is that you want to become spiritually intellectual. You don't want to just be in tune with God when you have a problem. And you need a prayer, to, a prayer to be fulfilled or you need a problem to be solved. You want to flow with God all the time. Practice His presence all the time, whether it's worship, whether it's meditation, whether it's in the Word. You want to flow in harmony with the Holy Spirit all the time. Amen? And when you practice His presence, the prayer time, when you're in trouble, when you're in a challenge... It's not so difficult. Amen? Because you're already in the motions. You're already harmonizing with the Holy Spirit. So your own thoughts and your own uh, um, uh, perception of what you're going through is not going to take you down that deep. Amen? Because you're already you're the buoyancy of the Holy Spirit. And that's where we want to be. We want to enjoy that Amen. all the time. Amen. Amen. Come on. It's all about hearing with our hearts, seeing with our hearts, feeling Him in our hearts. Amen. That's what this walk with the Lord is all about. Intimacy. Intimacy with the Father. That's what He calls us to. That's why He gives His Son on the cross so that we may enter through Him and in Him into sonship so that we can experience fatherhood. Amen? Amen? But fatherhood like no man could ever explain. You know, the first time I ever heard God's voice in my life, he said to me, it was just after my father had passed away, and he said this to me. He said, and I was down in the dumps, man. Um, he said these words to me, and I'll never forget it. They changed me forever. In a moment, I knew my purpose. I knew everything for my life. In a moment. And uh, he said this. He said, I was your father before your earthly father. And I will be your father forever. Now lean back, depend on me, and let me show you how a father provides. Beautiful. And from that moment, man, the, the lights in the room went brighter. At that time, Trish was still just my, my chicky, you know. She wasn't my wifey. And uh, after, yeah, she was my sticky. She's still a sticky. <laughs> and what happened was... Um, from that moment, I just took her, to, I took her to church instead of the nightclubs. She thought I'd lost my mind. She thought this guy went on a trip and never came back. <laughs> but we never looked back. From that moment, never put my foot into a club again. I, was, I grew up in the clubs. I grew up in the streets. 
And uh, yeah, it totally, totally shocked her. And that's, that's what He can do for you in any moment of your life. Amen? You're saved, but you're getting saved every day. How many of you guys understand that? Every day. You are saved. The day you asked the Holy Spirit to come into your heart, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit. But every day He is working His miracles. He's working His power in your life to keep you, draw you close. Amen? That's what He wants. That's what He's doing. He's keeping you from all of that stuff out there. All you need to do is just stay focused. Stay close. Stay close. Just stay close. That was unholy. <laughs> That's holy water. What are you talking about? Man? Bless you, my son. <laughs> now we've got to go kill someone. Yeah, let's go. I, don't, don't well, wait, I, I was too enthusiastic about I'm sorry. I did that. <laughs> You know the mafia guys, just before they take somebody out, they're like, (laughs) (laughs) Go be with God. (laughs) Go be with God. (laughs) But it's it's such an amazing life he's inviting us to, you know. And, and, you know, we've been emphasizing for a while now um, that we've sensed what God wants us to, to, to focus on for the last couple of months is, you know, getting skillful in this in in these senses you know because we're all skillful in our in our taste our touch our smell uh you know our hearing what are the senses we got all that other stuff yeah yeah you know we're, we're so skillful in our pain you know we're so skillful in in explaining how broken we are and understanding you know all the the wrong things that are happening we're, we're so good at that you know and and god's inviting us you know through what the finished work of jesus he's he's inviting us to now become skillful in experiencing him. You know, for, for the believer, our journey has to be that um, the spiritual experience of God must be more real than our physical experience of this world, you know? Now, I know uh, uh, traditionally, you know, in church especially, uh, you know, we hear the word new age and we hear chakras and, you know, all that sort of stuff. They're like, hey, stay away from that stuff, you know? but. In the same breath, when we talk about experiencing the spirit of God in your heart as opposed to your physical senses, they also say, it's like, ooh, I don't know, hey, that's a bit, uh, that, that's a bit uh, weird. I don't know, hey. Or, or you know, sometimes, because, um, you know, I'm from Durban. I don't know if I can say that. I came here when I was like five, but anyway. Um, and, you know, in, in Durban, we've got this, this denomination called the full gospel, right? Surprisingly enough, it's only half the gospel. But anyway, that's fine. Um, it, it's, it's the full gospel denomination, you know, and, and the thing is, is like, well, how it is now, I don't know how it started, but anyway, the thing is, is, you know, you mentioned these things about experiencing God in your heart. You know, you mentioned these things about the grace of God and, and having faith the way Jesus had and, you know, uh, um, having a righteousness that is from God, not of yourself. And their response is, hey, you got to be careful. You, you got to be careful, brother. I'm like, well, why you got to be careful? No, you got to tell people to stop sinning. You got to tell people that they got to live right. You got to tell them that they got to live committed lives to God, you know, and, and listen, all of that's great, but the motive is incorrect because the motive is fear. Are you with me? You know, when, when, when we start sessions like we had this morning, um, we always sense in prayer and, and the band will, will, will you know, uh, stem some in this, you know. Um, are we not in Africa? Are we not Africa? Okay, sorry. They will, they, they will echo the same notion. Sorry. Comrades, recognize me, please. Comrades. 
Protect me from yourselves, please. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they, they'll echo the same sentiment, all right? That, uh, you know, we can, we, when we get up here and we start, we sense, you know, immediately in our hearts we perceive, okay, you know, what's going on. And, and we were talking about it yesterday because we had the ladies meeting yesterday. Who was here? Yay. Come on, give them a round of applause, please. It's official. We've got a women's ministry. Woo! Praise the Lord. But it went really well yesterday. It really, really did. Um, anyone who wasn't here yesterday, just connect with one of the ladies. They will get you up to speed and, you know, all that stuff. But when we started, we, we started the worship. And um, immediately when we started playing, <laughs> I started playing the guitar and I was like, oh. Because, you know, you feel that like, oh, man, there's a resistance here. There's a hectic thing, you know. Then Pastor is feeling the same thing. One song goes by, then he comes up here. He's like, no, 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 no. This is not how it works, you know. And we st he starts telling everyone, listen, you guys got to sing. You guys got to sing. Open your mouths, open your hearts and start singing. And I kid you not, it wasn't even, what, four minutes, maybe five? And what was supposed to be on the program, 15 minutes of worship turned into one hour and 15 minutes, right? Yeah, praise the Lord. It was amazing. The ladies are clapping because they were here, you know. One more time. Oh, is it two hours? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. After the worship, Didi comes to me. He's like, uh, where, where are we on the program? I'm like, we're an hour, 10 minutes behind. He's like, what? <laughs> but I promise you, it was, it was healing. It was words of wisdom, words of knowledge. It was, it was crazy, man. I was standing in the back. I'm jamming on my guitar. Next to me, the Holy Spirit's like, there's an ankle that's hurting here. I'm like, oh, man, I'm jamming this guitar right now. Now you're focusing on chords and you're all this stuff. I'm like, it's, it's an ankle. Then I left it with him. And I I'm like, I'm playing guitar now, right? But it was amazing. It was, it was really an experience. And all of a sudden, you feel the entire atmosphere change, you know? But here's the thing. We didn't feel the atmosphere on our skin or with our ears. Are, are you with me? It was a perceiving in the heart. It was a perceiving in the heart. And this dimension that God is telling us to come and partake in and to experience, to become skillful in, right, only happens by one way. And that is faith in what Jesus has done. Are you with me? It is faith in his death, burial, and resurrection. Do you know why? Because when the temperature in the room changes and you feel cold, right, you can't keep responding to your ever-changing senses. You see, what your senses are constantly experiencing is doing this. All of us here would agree, I see majority of the people have like longer sleeves on, except Llewellyn. It's okay, we'll pray for you later, it's fine. <laughs> the minute I said that, his face went, like what happened? But our experience through our senses is changing because the natural world is constantly fluctuating, right? Nighttime, it gets dark. All right? In the evenings, it gets colder. Okay? Our bodies get tired. We experience hunger. But you see, experiencing the dimension of God in our hearts, a spiritual dimension, he's telling us experience it through faith because Jesus and his work will never change. There's a reason that he sat down at the right hand of God and he was declaring to everyone, guys, don't worry. I've done it. I'm going to sit down now. There's going to be a time when he gets off that seat, but that's coming a bit later, all right? But he is declaring to all of us that you have an absolute constant now. You have a constant expectation of good when you interact with him. Now, we've got to think about that as believers because that's huge. 
You see, we find ourselves in this paradox where we're constantly wrestling with the fluctuating senses with when a lot of the times it commands our emotions, it commands our thoughts, you know? But God is saying now through faith, come and experience an absolute constant. The Bible tells us that he is the same yesterday, he is the same today, and he is the same forever. You know, there's a very dangerous concept going around right now about progressive Christianity. Anyone ever heard about that? All right? Progressive. We've got to be more loving. We've got to be more inclusive. We've got to be current. Right? But why are we progressing if God doesn't change? Are you with me? Why are we progressing if God doesn't change? Because Jesus has been studying recently. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's a changing. He signed up to the new Bible school. Yeah, There's, uh, he's on the Fertig Academy. My bad. Sorry. <laughs> right? But listen, the problem is this. The problem is this, is that Christians are pushing progressive Christianity, okay? Whether it is, I have a conspiracy theory that these people are funded by the shadow government. I'm telling you. But anyway. I'm going to look like a crazy person. It's okay. But the point I'm making is that they are progressing because they are actually becoming more dull to the spiritual dimension that God wants us to experience him in. They are finding more extreme ways to contend with their natural stress. Are you with me? Take this guy. What's his name? Michelle Todd. What's his name? Michael Todd. Whatever his name is. Right? I might as well say, he says, he says his church is trans. I don't know what, what's up with that, okay? But anyway, whoever follows Mike Todd, if you're sitting in this church, you unfollow him now. That is a direct instruction from this pulpit, right? Now, what was, what was my point? Yeah, right? He's trans. Yeah, yeah. No one wants to have the discussion about what's going on now about, you know, the, the, the gender issue and LGBTQ and all that stuff, right? It's easier for Christians to be inclusive so that we can avoid a difficult conversation. It's like, how are we going to grow our churches if we don't allow these people in? No one's saying they're not allowed. The difference is, is that if you want to come here, you participate in what's happening in this environment. You don't change this environment for yourself. Hello? It's the same principle. Yeah, you can give God a praise. It's the same principle with Jesus. When we want to partake in his finished work, if we want to partake in his nature, right, we don't come to him and say, Jesus, change for me. Hello? Right? He's saying, come here and experience him. Are you with me? Now, to someone who is overwhelmed by their senses, right? Who is living in that natural space, those natural stresses, that seems unfair. Hello? It does. You're like, what about me, Lord? But he's saying, there is a life that he wants you to experience that's not attached to the, the, the volatility, you know, that, that constant changing in this world that we are slave to. He's saying that there is a life and a peace, a joy, a wholeness, a contentment, independent of all of that. But the key is this. You must share in the death that he experienced, and you must come to the life that he is offering. Because the Bible tells us we died when he died, and we were brought to life again when he was raised to life. Are you guys with me? 
You know, we can't afford not to be deep Christians. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm deep, man. I'm deep. Come and join me. I'm deep. You know, the moment a message is too deep for you, you lose the wonder of God. Do you know what I'm saying? The moment a message is too deep for you, guess, what's, guess what the problem is? You're trying to walk with God in your intellect. Amen? If the message is too deep, you're going, you know what? I don't want to go there because <clears throat> I'm happy over here. That's our problem, family. It's a big problem. Because we are called to become mature spiritual beings. So we have to be skillful and mature in the way we perceive the world, people, challenges, problems, blessings. How many know blessings can take you down just as quick as problems if the heart's not right? Amen? So we are called to grow in Christ. When you read the apostles when they pray, go to Ephesians 1, 23, uh, 1, 15 to 23, around about there, and see how the apostles pray. The apostles themselves didn't pray against the devil. They prayed that you grow up in Jesus. They prayed that your spirit man becomes mature in Christ. Shouldn't we pray what the apostles pray? Shouldn't we pray what Jesus prayed? Why have we got all these weird and wonderful prayers? Hallelujah. Ah, got you. I didn't say amen. I said hallelujah. So be careful. If things are too deep for you, you're trying to intellectualize God. And you are going to miss out on the stuff that's happening inside your heart. I promise you. You do not want to go there. Amen? You know, speaking about God uh, staying the same yesterday and today and forever, <clears throat> he, is our, he is our stability. He is our rock. Amen? And he never moves. He never rolls. He's not the rock that rolls. Amen? Old uh, J.P. Sharnik. He's not a rock and roller. He is the steady rock on which we are founded, and that's our foundation is. And there's a good old story about um, the Koreans uh, who used to go out to 16, 17 years old, they used to go out into the, uh, um, they called them like, like warships, but boats. So they would go out on the boats, there'd be about 18 or so of these young men on a boat at a time. And uh, Joseph Prince uh, shared the story years ago, because he was actually in the army and got into these first, I can't remember what you call them, but anyway, these small boats, and there's hundreds of them that go out, and they meet the ships wherever they are. But to get there, what would happen is, before they got to the ship, the guys would feed the fish. How I many you know what I'm talking about? They would all vomit. Oh. They, would all, they would all be vomiting. I know, I know, we're a church, but I mean, like you've never vomited. Okay. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> so what the problem was is that by the time the boats got to the ship, I mean, the guys were pale. They, they had vomited over the, over the side of the boat. They were sick and, oh, they just couldn't handle it. And what they used to tell the, the, I think it's the commandant, what is it? The captain, captain of the ship, I don't know. The skipper. Uh, the skipper would say, men! And then they all have to stand in attention. And he would say, I command you not to look at the boat. And then they say, we are commanded not to look at the boat. He says, and I command you not to look at the water. They say, we are commanded not to look at the water. What the heck? Why? Because if you look at the boat... The boat's doing this. 
If you look at the water that the boat is on, the boat's doing that because the water's doing that. Are you with me? And then he'd finish it off and he'd say, I command you, gentlemen, look at the horizon. Look at the straight line. And when they would fix their eyes on the horizon, on the straight line, their stomachs would stabilize. And that's how our lives stabilize, when we fix our eyes on the rock. He is our stability. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? If he doesn't change, why the heck are you changing so easily? Amen? Come on, you can't be so emotional, little sissy. Turn to the person next to you and say, don't be a muhu, please. Yeah, see. Do you know what? If you're a mukhu, the world is going to eat you up. Eh? I promise you. It's going to eat you up, beat you up. It's going to do so many things. Amen? You are not a victim. You are the victor. Because somebody gave you his victory. Amen? Amen. And we're going to talk about that faith today. We've got to understand, he is, why is he our stabilizer? Why is it Jesus that we look to? Because you must understand that it's not your, it's not your faith that's doing it. It's his faith. Amen? When the disciples come to him and they say, you know, we can't, we, we need more faith. Jesus doesn't teach them how to get bigger faith and stronger faith. He says, listen, you've got doubt. Amen? I mean, right there, the greatest Bible teacher, Jesus, God himself, I'm surely he would have taught them how to get more faith. But he doesn't, he doesn't direct them or teach them or how to acquire more faith. He says, your problem is that you have doubt. But if you just have faith as small as a mustard seed, you're going to be okay. Why? Because your faith, your small little bit of faith, you connect it, and it actually grows and rooted from his faith. It's what he did in the grave. It's what he did when he called out the word of God when he was at the, uh, at the moorings of the mountains. Remember, the depths of the sea, when his soul was shut off from earth, when his soul was shut away from God, and he was all by himself. It was his faith when he called out who God said he was, what the plan was for his life, it's his faith that was operating in the grave, not yours. Turn to the person next to you and say, get over yourself. That's a belief. Today, we've got like faith cults running around the world. It's all about how great their faith is, not how great Jesus is. People are trying to establish their faith in, look at me, how much I give, how much I pray, how much this, how much that. Your faith is nothing if it's not integrated into the finished work of his faith that operated in the grave. And guess what? It raised him from the grave. Now we connect to his faith. Amen? Amen? You know, good people running around looking for an anointing, anointing from Pastor So and So, Pastor Bash's anointing. Us a I look there on purpose. <laughs> you know, Auntie Charmaine, she hears the word so well. She must have a special anointing. So on Sunday, on Sunday, I'm going to stand next to her. Yeah, I don't know what happened there, but. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm going to stand next to her. Maybe her anointing will rub off us a belief, man, sir. It's not your, you're not trying to acquire an anointing. You are a co-heir in Christ. Do you see, it's actually got nothing to do with us, guys. Amen? You don't have a covenant with God. Christ has a covenant with God. The second covenant, the, covenant, the, the New Testament, he's the surer. He's the one that it's based on, not based on us. We have the privilege of being beneficiaries to what he has done. By what? By faith, by believing. Mm. Believing. Amen? Yeah. It's not your anointing. It's not your calling. Everyone's running around looking for a calling. That's mm. a belief, man, sir. It says his calling. Ephesians 1.18. Let's go have a look at it. He's the stabilizer. Amen? Uh, is it this one? Yeah. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of? What is the hope of His calling? It's not your calling. It's His calling. What are the riches of the glory of whose inheritance? His. Ooh, His inheritance. You see, we are co-heirs to His inheritance. We are allowed to partake of what His Father gave Him. Jesus is so cool. Oh, man, he's so cool. Jesus is so cool. You can't run around you thinking, yo, what is my, what am I? No, 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 no. No ways. You get to partake of his inheritance. Amen? Amen. He says, it's my peace, I bequeath it unto you. That's right. It's mine. It's not yours. He gives you his peace. Why does he have peace that is uninterrupted, can never be dampened, can never be shaken? Why? Because he went to the grave and he earned it by using his faith. He defeated death in its face, rose himself through the power of the Holy Spirit out of that, that uh, grave and now experiences the fullness of the riches that heaven can give by sitting next to the Father. That's why his peace is the peace you want, not your peace. Come on. Your peace is pieces. A piece of this, a piece of that. Your peace is relief. That's what it actually is. I just need relief, Lord. I need relief. No, no, no. His peace is the peace that never cha it cannot be shaken cannot be broken. It cannot even be, you can't even compete with it. The, the devil. I mean, what the, what the devil? The devil. How do you say it? The devil? The devil. Yeah. The Congolese pastors. <laughs> the devil. Is, the devil is to blame for everything, eh? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> pastor. <laughs> but it's, it's a hectic thing that you're saying because, listen to this, is that you were saying that, that our faith is actually his faith. Now, now, that's something so hectic because traditionally we understand that, okay, but then we just have a mustard seed, but that mustard seed connects with his, you know? And it seems like a new concept, whatever, but actually it was the plan from the beginning, yeah. right? Because you must remember, like we've taught you in this church, is that this entire story of history is about one man and one man, right? The one man, Adam, 
and the one man Jesus. Unfortunately, all of us in between were just collateral to their actions because the thing is this now, through Adam, we were all born into sin. Are you guys with me? That's what Romans 5 tells us. We were all born into sin. So in the same way, right, we have all been living vicariously through Adam through generations. Are you with me? But Jesus came to be, like Hebrews tells us, the author and finisher of our faith. He came to restore the way man was supposed to walk. See, Adam was walking by faith. All he had was the character of God. People always link faith to problems. No. Faith is not linked to problems, guys. Faith is the trust in the character of God. That's what faith is. Like, oh, Bash, but he had the perfect life. Exactly. He had the perfect life. And he had the uninterrupted, unfiltered experience of who God was. So too did Jesus, up until the point even in the grave. You know, we touched on it on Easter morning, you know, and, and I think of that sermon, I like kept quiet, but when you started talking about that, ooh, I got excited, you know, because every single day when we are the righteous ones of God who are to live by faith, right, our faith is not about conquering problems. Our faith is not about, you know, oh, I'm trusting God. He's going to come through, you know. Your faith would be for problems if it were based in an uncertainty of who God was. Listen to what I'm saying. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm using my faith, Pastor. God's going to provide. Okay, but hold on. Let's break down what you're saying because using your faith doesn't make God a provider right? God is a provider. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So therefore, your faith can't be linked to the problem. You need to say, I believe God is a provider. It's not that I'm using my faith for God to provide in this problem. Are you guys with me? The minute we use faith in the same natural, limited, volatile explanation that we gave, you know, earlier, our faith is limited to our problem. And the consistency of our faith is limited to our problems because we'll only trust God when we have problems. But God is saying, you need to trust me for life. Forget your problems. You need to be fully persuaded, fully convinced in your heart about who he is. Are you with me? Think about this, guys. This is a big deal. And the reason we're talking about this this morning is because as believers, this becomes our burden. This becomes our, our stumbling block. Because we're stuck in this realm of uncertainty as to whether or not God's going to come through with this. It's like, but wait a minute. We can't measure God's ability to come through based on the problem or how I perceive the problem. We're going to show you now what happened in the grave, Right? We can't measure that. It's like, oh, I have faith. God's going to come through. It's like, but wait a minute. Am I saying now that this problem is causing me to assess God's ability? Hello? We need to make sure we understand this principle, guys. Because I promise you, we've seen it. The church is almost 10 years. Praise the Lord. Woo! We made it, Didi. Hallelujah. <laughs> 10 years is not the mark, but anyway. But... We've seen it. When times are tough, people are faithful, man. They see God like you can't believe. Woo! 
If we had three services on a Sunday, when times are tough, they'd be here for all three. Telling you, they're reading the Bible 10 times more every day. Worship music is going. You know, they switch off all that Eminem and you know that. They switch all of that. Yeah, you know? That EDMs are going. Panda, 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 But now he's like, now when they, when they stop at the robot and the windows are like, what a beautiful name it is. And the beggar is like, woo, Jesus, woo. You know? It, and, and it's crazy. And he's like, like, damn it, this guy's in connection with Lord, I'm not getting any money. <laughs> yeah, the if he was like, feeling guilty, he would have given me yeah. something. <laughs> also, this guy's in trouble. He's not focused on me. Yo. <laughs> you guys with me? I, I'm, I'm making it light, but it's a serious problem that we all have to make sure we deal with. Because you see, because of that volatile nature, right, that natural senses, okay, we're only interested in God when it's down. Because, you know, deep down in our hearts, we know God is life, right? But when we find the comfort, like you were saying earlier, you know, when we find that space, I'm happy here, when you're talking about being too deep, I'm happy here, I don't want to go there, then, God, I'll get back to you when this dips. Are you with me? But look at this. Jesus was in a position in the grave, right? Jonah 2, is Jonah 2? Yeah. In the grave, he was in a position in the grave where he had no way to find hope for anything. He had no way of assessing the problem in a way where there would be hope. He was at the pit of despair. No, no, no opportunity for the glimmer of light, darkness surrounding him, locked beneath the foundations of the earth, death swirling around him, the fullness of guilt and condemnation upon him. No opportunity, no Pastor Didi WhatsApp status to say, remember, you're a child of God. God loves you, you know? No one there saying, Jesus, you remember when you came out from your baptism, we all heard God say that you are his beloved son. Don't forget that, Jesus. You guys remember that? All that, that, that entire life he lived, still carrying the memories of all of that up until the point where he said on the cross, my God, why have you forsaken me? Even now, alone in death itself, what was the only faith that he could have? It had to be the faith based on him. Are you with me? No opportunity for anything around him. But the only conviction he had in his heart is that, I know who you are. I know what you said. I know your character. I know why I'm here. Amen. Guys, you know that you have all, only that, what he just mentioned? That's all you've got to work with. What is it that you've got to work with? You've got God's character. You've got God's names. What else? You've got God's word, okay? And the promises. That's all you've got. Your faith has only got those, as, those things to deal with. I mean, to, to operate with. And if... If you don't want to, if you just want healing, but you don't want to know the healer, if you're somebody that chases healing and not health, if you're somebody that chases uh, um, your problems to be solved and not a lifestyle in the spirit with God, 
then you're not actually focusing on the depths of his name, the depths of his word, the depths of the promises, and the depth of his character, the sturdiness of who he is and his word. You're not connecting to them. I'm not saying you, but I'm saying the person. If they, if they are, if it's too deep for them, trust me, their faith is as shallow <laughs> as that mindset. You know, let's just go to Psalm 138. Verse 2, let's just have a look at this quickly, and we're going to close up. Now, Jesus is in the grave. All he has to work with, Jesus only has God's character. He knows who God is. He only has God's promises and what God has said about him, that he will be the righteous one, the one who's the savior of the world, the one who will have the, uh, hold the righteous scepter, to rule as the righteous king. That's all he has to work with, and he's in the grave. Look what the Bible says about God's word here. It says, I will worship toward your holy temple. This is David now, and he says, and praise your name for your loving kindness and your, and your truth, for you have magnified your word above all your name. God's word, God's promises are so fixed. He says, they are more than my name. So when I declare something, when I say something, it's, a t it's more than my name. It carries more weight than my name. So God can't change, guys. Everybody thinks that God can just change everything at any time he wants to. No, he can't. He's not allowed to. Are you with me? He's not allowed to change. He can change things according to what he said they were going to be. But he can't change what he said they were going to be. He can't. That's his word. He said, before the foundations of the earth, before the Garden of Eden was even created, my son will be the sacrifice. He can't go back on that. He can't change it. He says it right here. His word is above his name. Amen? When we declare the word of God from this pulpit, you've got to take it to the bank. God can't change. He can't go back on it. If he did, he, his name would be worth nothing. Because a man's word or a man's name is only worth his word. Hello? Look what it says in Proverbs 22 verse 1. Just go there quickly. It says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. In Ecclesiastes, just to go through it quickly, a good name is better than precious ointment. God's name is magnified because he's faithful to keep his word. But what have you done with the word? Have, you, have we put it in our hearts? Do we believe it? Is it the thing that is so fixed in our life that it keeps our minds at peace, keeps our vision for what he said is supposed to happen in our lives? Or are we all over the place? Are we looking at the boat and looking at the water? Are we, are we those guys that are, no, it's too deep, I can't go there. If it's too deep for you, you're going to miss out on all the good stuff. Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Never know if it's there or not. <laughs> then, cable, then cable must submit to the word of the Lord. <laughs> so he is the rock on which we stand. We have to take his names and his word and his promises and put them so deep in our heart, become so fully persuaded by them in our heart that no matter what the atmosphere is saying to us, mm. no matter what the environment is trying to do to us, we're in the cocoon. 
Remember the cocoon? The little vrimpi goes in the cocoon and he comes out with nice wings. Amen? We're in the cocoon of the Word. We're in the cocoon of the finished work of Jesus. And the power that's in you, the person that you really are in the finished work of Jesus is getting spun and spun and transformed. And one of these days you're going to be flying like a little butterfly. Mm. Amen? Amen. Flying above all of the stuff, looking down, going, Shoo, I'm so glad I'm not there with so-and-so. I'm at peace. Amen? I have the peace of, of Jesus. Those guys are running around there trying to find relief from themselves. I am soaring with Jesus. I'm at peace. That's it. Amen? Absolutely. And I mean, we all, we're, we're going to get into this um, over the next couple of weeks. Hello? You good? Hello. It's on. There yeah. we go. <laughs> We're going to get into this over the next couple of weeks because we need to, as believers, get to this practical application of what it is to live by faith. Are you with me? Right? What it is to live by faith. Jesus himself said that, listen, man shall not live by bread alone, but only by, by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Right? So he is emphasizing that the word of God is life to us. It's sustaining, okay? And we as believers in our lives, we need to get to the bottom of, okay, how does this look in our life? How do I work this through, you know? Everyone's like, yeah, I'm going to go get a list of the promises. Woo, it's great. Do you know before you had the promises on the paper, the stories that we read about how God declared himself, his character, the names he gave himself to the nation of Israel, right? Do you know, they didn't have the paper. They experienced it. How much quicker should our learning be? How much quicker should we be opening our hearts to experience the nature that produced the name? Because you must remember, God is not healer. God didn't call himself Jehovah Rapha right by chance that he could maybe do it it is an explanation of his nature he didn't call himself jehovah jireh because hopefully he can make a plan it's an expression of his nature are you with me when abraham was walking up that mountain and his, his baby boy says uh yo dude dad you said we're going to worship where's the sacrifice imagine if he said to isaac my son i'm going to kill you on this rock it's going to be you. Do you think Isaac would have stuck around? No. But what did he tell Isaac instead? He said, son, the Lord will provide. And you know that in that image there, that word sustained Isaac even to the point when he was on the altar. Because in his heart, he knows God is a provider. So even if I'm supposed to be on here, it doesn't matter. You see, it is, it is his nature that empowers the promise. All the promises that we read are explanations of his nature. But if we as Christians are reading the promises and we're trying to fit them into this volatile thing, but we are not getting skillful in experiencing his nature that actually gave birth to all the promises that we read, we are going to forever find ourselves in a powerless place. Are you guys with me? How many of you want to get to the point in your life where you don't pray for stuff? Lord, if you could just provide. Lord, if you could please help me. 
Bash, how could you say that? Jesus said, we must, you know, Paul said we must make our needs known to God. No, fantastic. But every day you're praying, you make the same needs known? Every time when you're praying, your prayer is centered around you? Every time you pray, you have no space for anyone else? Every time you pray, you're experiencing the fear of your problem more than you're experiencing God? That is not biblical prayer. You can, you can get to a place in your own heart where you don't even worry about stuff. You don't worry about your circumstances. You don't worry about paying your bills. You don't worry about all that stuff because what's going to happen is that your heart's going to be fully persuaded about the nature of who he is. Just knowing the promise is not going to help you. You have to go and experience the nature that produced that promise. So this week, guys, start practicing. Any opportunity that is given to the flesh, any opportunity given to fear, you know what you need to do? Because just like that fear is a real experience you're having, you need to have a real experience through faith with God. That's why Paul says in Hebrews 11 that faith is the substance. What is substance? Yes, this thing's tight, man. Faith is the substance. <laughs> yes, I almost pinched you, sorry. <laughs> faith is the substance. What does it mean? It means you can touch it. You can experience. But what? Not experience your faith. Through his faith, you can experience him. You see, you have evidence to, to be fearful. You have evidence to be stressed out. You have evidence to be lonely. But you know what? There is a tangible experience that you can have through faith to replace the evidence that is found in the carnal. Now listen, as a believer, if you are not doing that, and no one's going to do it for you. Jesus himself even said, the work that you must do is to believe. People think believing is, yes, I'm saved. No. This mechanic we explained to you this morning, that is what believing is. That I need to take the substance and the evidence that I'm getting from the world and the fallen nature, the fallen dead world based in condemnation and guilt and fear. And what I need to do is through faith based on who God is, I need to go and now experience and get evidence for the abundant life that he promised to me based on who he is. This is the skill we need to develop as believers, ladies and gents. And you know, when you look at Jesus in the grave, you ask yourself, is my situation worse than that? Because that's the faith I have. You have the God kind of faith. So you ask yourself, okay, what is in front of me now? Was I, was I cut off from the presence of God? Was I chained up in the foundations of the earth when I saw the earth in front of me, but I couldn't get there? Was I in utter darkness? Was I... Am I experiencing absolute guilt and, and condemnation and judgment of the entire world? Am I experiencing despair at the absolute level? And you know what you do? You start smiling and you say, thank you, Jesus. That if you beat the worst that could have been, this thing is child's play. But you see, just having a knowledge of that and everything, it's not going to empower you. What empowers you is when you take that, you take that blessed hope, that blessed assurance, and through faith, you go and you sit down and in your heart, you say, Father, I open my heart to you now because you are the substance to every promise. You are the experience to the life that he now has. 
and I need new evidence. So, Lord, I'm here. Right now, I'm here. I open my heart to you. And you're going to gather your evidence. And while your problem is carrying on, Shapis, it can carry on. But you're going to gather evidence based on who God is. Amen? Amen. Give Jesus a round of applause. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Amen. So what we're going to do, it's becoming a thing that we do every year. So straight off the Easter, we had Easter last week, Friday. So for the next weeks, right up until, uh, right up until Ascension Day, what's going to happen is we are going to spend time in the death, burial, and resurrection. We're going to show you where your faith is actually where it comes from. It comes from what happened at the cross, what happened in the grave, what happened uh, when he sat down next to the Father, the resurrection life. We're going to spend every week there and we're going to show you what Christian faith is all about. And then uh, on Ascension Ascension Day, we will we'll actually um, end off the series. But this is going to be our New Testament realities, who we are now in Christ. So we're going to lead up to that. We're going to go into the death and the burial and then we're going to do the resurrection and who we are now. It's called the New Testament realities because we are now in Christ. Amen? You are no longer in yourself, my friend. You are in Christ as a reborn Christian, a new creation. So we're going to build it up over the next couple of weeks, and I promise you, you will be so utterly utterly blessed because you're going to find out what it means to have faith as a Christian. Most Christians don't even know what happened at the cross. They just know that Jesus got flogged and, and he got crucified, but they don't know what actually took place and they don't know how to appropriate it for their faith, everyday walk. So it's going to be amazing. Don't miss one of these services. I promise you, you are going to be edified completely. Let's stand to our feet and we can close in prayer. Sorry it ran over, but we did have a lot of worship that uh, it was worth it. Amen? Amen. You deep people. Amen? So going a little bit deep into 11, 23, 25 is not a problem. Amen. Awesome. Turn to the person next to you say, yes, I love these pastors. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. They all said it. <laughs> I love these pastors. I mean, I love these guys. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Why don't you close your eyes? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the beauty that you're doing in our, in our homes in our marriages, in our bodies, in our workplace, our finances. Thank you, thank you that you're doing such a great work, saving us every day from making bad decisions, decisions that are based on our emotions and you know, just our feelings. We don't want to make decisions there. We want to make decisions in the truth of what you say is good for us. Holy Spirit, lead us every single day so that we can walk in your strength and your power and your victory. Our children need us to be like that. Our nephews and nieces, everybody needs to see the sons and daughters of this world, the sons and daughters of the Father. They're crying out to see true faith. Thank you. Thank you for blessing us. What a privilege to walk in you, our Lord and Savior. And all those that love the Lord said, Amen. Turn to person next to you say, have a great week. We'll see you on Sunday.